Welcome to Roadmap to One Million. My name is Stacey Zeal, and if you're looking to make more money, gain your time back, and rapidly grow your visibility so that you can impact way more people with your brilliance, you're in the right place. This podcast is your one-stop shop for turning your online business dreams into a reality. My main goal is to give women entrepreneurs just like you the marketing strategies, guidance, and expert insights you need to hit that million-dollar milestone and beyond. Whether you're a coach, a consultant, or an online brand that wants to make a big impact, Roadmap to One Million gives you the actionable strategies and inspiration you need so that you can implement right away, no fluff, no fuss. So CEO, are you ready to buckle up and celebrate your growth? Be sure to follow the show and let's dive in. Get ready to uncover your Roadmap to One Million. We are back with another episode of Roadmap to One Million. And so if you are here today, you are listening to this. It is officially 2024. We have officially kicked off a new year. And I want to make sure that y'all have all the information that you need to make this your most successful year in business ever. So make sure that if you are new here, if you're not following the show, make sure you're following the show because we have episodes that come out every Tuesday and we have fantastic guests come on. Like we're talking to the fantastic Sarah Jane Burt today about copy. Um, And this is something that I'm super excited to talk about because a lot of us are not copywriters, (laughs) not Mm -hmm. good copywriters, right? Like I will even be the first to say, I am not a good copywriter, right? Like I am really great at being able to speak and then, you know, take what I, you know, what I talk about and maybe turn that into some copy, but sitting there looking at a blank page and trying to figure out like, how do I communicate what I want to communicate through words is not my strong suit. So I am super excited to welcome um, Sarah to the show. So how are you doing, Sarah? Welcome to World Back to One Million. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So um, before we jump in and really kind of start talking about copy and all the things, tell us a little bit about your background, wherever you want to start. Just talk us a little bit about your journey, your background to, um, you know, where you were to where you're at now. Sure. So um, I got started in content marketing in 2011. Um, I started as a freelance copywriter. So I was in grad school for English. So like I knew how to write, but copywriting is like a whole nother beast. Um, So I taught myself copywriting. This was back when I feel so old. It was back when there was no like, I mean, YouTube was a thing, but there wasn't like access to like unlimited information like there is now. And there also weren't a lot of people selling stuff like you couldn't just buy five million courses on copywriting so um a lot of it I taught myself and a lot of that was through working with clients um so my first job out of grad school I worked in an agency um I worked in a couple different marketing positions I did social media for a while um I've done content strategy Um, but there's always been a writing component. So copywriting has always been a part of my job, even if it was social media management. Um, but yeah, I've worked with agencies. I've worked, um, with a lot of small business owners as a freelancer and now as a business owner. Um, and I've also worked in-house for a lot of big tech companies. That was kind of my, um, niche when I was in corporate. Um, so I've worked with IBM, Um, like an IOT company. Um, But now I work mostly with small business service providers, um, kind of across industries. So I, over the past like 13 years, I've written for literally every industry, any piece of content that's ever needed to be written. So um, 
I definitely have like a, I have like a full like idea of like someone could come to me and be like, I have this problem. How do I fix it? And I know because I ran into that problem four years ago with, you know, a construction company or something. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love when you said that YouTube was just really becoming like a thing for finding information because I feel the same way about Facebook. When I started in marketing, um, face like my first internship out of college, well, I, while I was in college, my first internship, she was just like, um, Stacey, we really just need you to figure out Facebook and Twitter for business. Like people are apparently using it for business now and you need to figure this out. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so that kind of stuck throughout my career in that like, you know, my, that trajectory was when things were on the, when things for social media and business on social media was on the rise. And so that really kind of leads me into my first question is thinking about like, you know, how has copy and really kind of communicating in a, in a written sense really evolved over the last few years, especially with social media becoming such a big piece of everybody's businesses? Where do you see, like, what has that evolution been like for you and for some of your clients? And what are some things that we as CEOs and marketers really need to understand about the copy landscape that we're in now when it comes to, you know, social media and writing and that kind of thing. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was a social media assistant in like 2014. That's the last time I ran a Facebook ad, by the way, was 2014. <laughs> so <laughs> lots, of, lots has changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so back then it was like, I get to do this for a living. This is so cool. And, you know, all my friends were like, you tweet for a living? What is that? Um, but back then, I feel like there was a lot less. Um, and this isn't across channels, because I feel like Twitter has always been really community driven. Um, but I feel like back then it was less, there was less community or less sense of community on these channels. Um, and more just people were, you know, testing things out to see what worked. There wasn't, as we have now, years of kind of data we can look at to see like, okay, what works on social? Um, and I mean, the channels are always changing, so it's always going to change. But back then, I feel like I was just writing happy. There was a lot of um, content curation back then that I we don't see a lot of now. So a lot of um, the content on Twitter was like sharing other people's articles that were like valuable for our audience. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it just like the, the copy, it wasn't personal um, there weren't as many like people now kind of just starting their own businesses randomly. So I feel like um, it was definitely a different ballgame back then. Easier, I would say, um, because to stand out online, it wasn't as challenging. You weren't competing with as many things, right? There were still like cat videos, but there weren't like, there was no TikTok of like people dancing and doing comedy and stuff. Um, so I feel like it was easier back then. Um, now I feel like it's a lot more, there's a lot more personal content, um, a lot more entertaining content, even from brands. So you look at like Duolingo or like Wendy's and they have like these funny social media people. Um, and that's kind of what it takes now is like a little bit of entertainment. Whereas back in the day, it was like, you just kind of posted, um, and people either liked it or they didn't. Um, but now you're competing with so it's so loud on social um that you kind of have to do you got to think outside the box and do something really creative um to get people to notice you um 
yeah, it's kind of wild to think about the copy I was writing 13 years ago <laughs> to now. I mean, not only have I gotten better at it, but um, the marketplace has just gotten so noisy. Um, and I was, I was working with small business owners back then, but it was like plumbers, like people who had physical businesses. Um, there wasn't, and this might, this might not be accurate. I haven't looked at the numbers, but I feel like there weren't as many like solopreneurs, online business people popping up. So yeah, it was just a lot quieter. You didn't have to be as creative back then. Um, and now with AI, I think it's going to force us to be even more creative because now that kind of mediocre content that people were putting out can be created by AI. So if if that starts flooding, you know, the space, um, then people are going to stop paying attention to it. So um, I think you have to be even more, it adds another layer of creativity, entertainment, whatever you want to call it. Um, that just, I would not have imagined 10 years ago that this would be, you know, what we were looking at. Leading your marketing as the CEO can be time consuming and draining, which leads to inconsistent marketing and slow growth. If you're looking to supercharge your sales, gain your precious CEO time back, and increase your impact, our fractional chief marketing officer service at Stacey Zalenko is your secret weapon. Picture this, no more missed deadlines, no more unfinished campaigns, no more jumping from tactic to tactic. You can absolutely achieve all of that without pouring more of your time into marketing, even if you have a small and inexperienced team. Want to know how? Head over to stacyzeal.co slash CMO right now to watch our free video. We'll show you the exact strategies and tactics that have helped countless online service providers, coaches, and consultants just like you skyrocket their sales with their existing team. Don't miss out on this opportunity to transform your business. Visit stacyzeal.co slash CMO today to watch the video and get ready to make more money, gain your time back, and increase your impact. All right, let's jump back into the episode. That is so um, so good and kind of like you talking about that evolution because like a couple of things that you talked about was like now it was a lot less crowded back then, right? So you can mm-hmm. kind of like the people who were showing up, it was more about showing up and, you know, putting out a ton of content rather than putting out really, really good, um, well thought out, community driven, creative content that we have to do now mm-hmm. because the landscape is so crowded. Um, you know, and I would even add to that, that I think now we're in a space where people, at least our consumers, because really our consumers are what are going to dictate these trends and all kinds of stuff. Um, but our consumers these days, they want thought leadership. They want to hear mm-hmm. perspectives because AI can, and we're going to talk about AI and I, would, I can't wait to, for you to give me a rant on AI. <laughs> um, but, you know, AI kind of forces us now to, use generic kind of written language that's that can come from a robot right but where mm-hmm. consumers are at because it, because ai is focused on quantity right it's not focused on really like quality content it's really focused on like i can give you 30 social media posts in two minutes um whereas where our consumers are at is that consumers want to hear perspective they want personalized messaging i think i, I remember i can't this is not the exact stat but i will look it up and put it in the show notes and that I believe that the stat was like, there was like 67% of consumers 
favor brands that do personalize their communications. Like they feel mm -hmm. like they're having a personalized experience. And so if you take those kinds of stats where consumers want more, more personality, they want more personalized things. They want to feel like they're a part of community. They want to hear the perspective of the brand and not just feel like the brand is, you know, this, this, this thing that is so far removed from, from humans that it is actually have a face and it does have clearly have someone who has a thought that is behind it. Um, I think that you're, we're, you're, you're seeing those kind of worlds start to collide where we can get out the quantity, but even though quantity is something that worked years ago, it's mm -hmm. not necessarily something that works now. People like, I would rather see, you know, a really thought out written post, you know, once a week or, you know, once, once, a, you know, when you're sending an email or whatever, once a week, I would rather see that than you to send me, you know, seven emails or like one email a day. And it's just really kind of fluff. And it's really kind of mm -hmm. just doesn't have a perspective and it doesn't really kind of benefit me as, as the reader. I don't know how, how mm -hmm. are you about that, but what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. So I think back then quantity could get you there. They call it like the shotgun approach. You just kind of, cause a shot, a shot like explodes. So you just kind of put it on all the channels and see what happens. Um, then I think it was quality over quantity for a little while. Now I think you need both. Um, maybe not on an email, let's say, um, but definitely on social. I feel like you need both to stay visible. And like a lot of people still emphasize the quality, which is great. But to be honest, I really do think you need quality and quantity. The way to kind of get around that would be to repurpose, which a lot of people just don't do to the extent that they could like not realizing if you had a post that did well a year ago and it still resonates you could post it word for word and nobody's going to notice and if they do they're not going to be the weirdo that says hey didn't you post this a year ago you know what i mean so like you post this on december 19th last year <laughs> it was at two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> exactly so i think um there is this uh, thought that like, well, I can't reuse content word for word. I have to change it around. And like, that's true with like SEO. You don't want duplicate content, but um, that's kind of what we're forced to do now is to repost stuff. Um, I was, uh, there was a guy the other day talking on LinkedIn about how he'll repost something if it does well, he'll repost the same thing on the same day to try and get more like views. Now, I don't know if that works, but like there are people doing that, like not even waiting anytime. They're just like, let me repost it. It did well. You know, let's get it back into the feed. Um, So I think it's not as dire as we'd like to think. That doesn't mean we have to create original, you know, best content we ever read. Every time we sit down, we have to post a thousand pieces, but repurposing is a way to kind of get around that. But you do need the quantity because it's, you're not just competing with other businesses. You're competing on social, you're competing with everyone else. So it could be celebrities they follow, their grandma, you know what I mean? Dog accounts. Uh, so you need the, you need the quantity there too. But I do agree that it's the quality content that's going to actually impact people um, whereas just putting out quantity like stuff that um, ChatGPT wrote, um, it's probably not really going to have an impact. So you're just wasting your time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's such a great point. And I'm glad that you um, pointed that out because, you know, it is like, if you're thinking about where the algorithms are at right now, especially like, you know, social media, like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, even, you know, TikTok, all these other platforms, right? Like they, the landscape is so crowded that you do have to keep up, right? Like there mm -hmm. are people who are posting, you know, reels three, four times a day. And I'm not saying that you have to do that. I'm not saying you have to be, you know, the guy Alex Harmozy that posts 250 <laughs> pieces of content a week. I, that will never be some, a place that I, I aspire to get to. Um, <laughs> but I do think that there is something to being able to show up consistently with, you know, quality content and having to play the game of the algorithm because mm -hmm. it, it is a quantity kind of game as well as a quality. Like your, comp, your clients want quality. The algorithm wants you to post all the time. So you really have to find a place that you can find a happy medium between that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I love that. Um, what are we thinking about? And like in your experience, when you think about some of your clients, when you think about, you know, where business owners are at and online, whether that's social, email, SEO, any any of those spaces, what are some of the common mistakes that you are seeing people make in their content and their in their copy right now? That um, and how can we really kind of identify what things we should be doing and what things we should be focused on in our copy um, as it relates to those kind of mistakes that they're making? Yeah. So one of the, like once a month or so on LinkedIn, I do this thing where I'm like, post a link to your content and I'll tell you like the top three ways you can improve conversions. Every time I do that, every single person, their headline is the issue. Mm -hmm. So, and if we think about social, that would be like your hook. Um, there's this quote from, I can't think of his name. He's like some ad, uh, big ad guy from like Mad Men days who people still are obsessed with. And he said something like you should spend like three times as long on the headline as you do the rest of the piece of content. And I think people don't, they don't because they're like, well, I'll just put the title of my product there or whatever. Um but the issue is you literally have two, maybe three seconds to catch someone's attention. And if you don't, they're not going to read the rest of that copy. So the rest of that copy could be the best copy you've ever written. If that headline is crap, no one's going to read it. And the same with a hook. Um, you think about, uh, you know, longer posts, you have to click a button to read the rest of it. So that hook really has to grab them. And if it doesn't, then they're not going to read the rest of the copy. So while people are like, well, that's just one, one sentence, one piece of this thing I have to write. Um, it really, people do not spend enough time focused on the headline or the hook. Um, and I think it's the, especially now with people. So their attention is, you know, pulled in different directions. It's one of the most important important pieces of the content. So that's like the biggest mistake I see over and over again. And it's not something you're naturally good at. Like I have to work at it and I've been doing this a long time. Um, you really have to take time to do it. For like hooks, there are a lot of formulas. And like, if you see a good hook, you can not copy that, but see why, why you like it and try to replicate that on your own. Um, headlines, are a little different because they're it's it's on a static page you know what I mean so um people could come there again and again and again whereas a hook you might not spend an hour writing one hook because you know 
time-wise, it doesn't make sense. Um, but I think it's worth spending an hour writing the headline for your sales page, because if people don't move past that, then you've wasted the other hours you spend on the rest of the page. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's like the biggest mistake that I see. Um, I think people also get they get a little in their head when it comes to writing. Like they're like, okay, now it's time to put on my writer hat. And when their writer hat is on, they sound like a, they sound weird. They don't sound like they normally would. Um, And I, I recognize that not every brand is a personal brand. So not every brand voice is going to be your voice, but um, that's kind of what sets you apart from other people's copy. You can be talking about the same exact thing as someone else, but it's the way that you say it that resonates. Um, so I think a lot of people will write, write copy how they think it should sound, um, rather than just how they sound. Um, and for not personal brands, like bigger brands, it's about doing the work to put together the brand voice to say, this is how we sound. Whereas a personal brand, sometimes it's easier because you can just write how you talk, um, But yeah, I see a lot of just like jargon, full of jargon, um, doesn't really like make sense logically the way the sentences are arranged. Like you really just go back to writing fundamentals. So whatever you learned in your college freshman writing course, like that's really going to help you here. Um, Because if it doesn't make sense logically, like you you read it out loud and it's like, it feels choppy. It probably doesn't make sense logically and it's not going to make sense to the person reading it. Um, so I think that's another issue that people, they'll just like write in a stream of consciousness and then not go back and edit it. Or they'll write so buttoned up that there's no personality um, in the copy. And it's often uh, people will do one or the other instead of trying to like balance that out. Yeah. That's definitely a great point for sure. Like, you know, I want like listeners, y'all are, as you're listening to this, thinking about like the average, like, you know, attention spans are what, like two seconds. Like, we yeah. saying, you know, the average attention span is like two seconds. And I believe it's probably shrinking because of TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, like if you think about like how much time you as a reader are going to spend on an article, if that headline or that hook doesn't capture your attention, mm-hmm. then like, you know, I think that that kind of illustrates your your point because when we're thinking about, you know, why should I read this? What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this, right? That's where a lot of people are thinking about when it comes to marketing in general, right? Like, or, or doing business with other businesses. It's like, what am I going to get out of this? And if mm-hmm. you can't really kind of let them know in that first couple seconds, then you're going to lose them. And I tell people that with ads, when I walk through my, you know, sp- you know, video scripts and things that I create for clients or things that I put in my course, that first piece of it is a hook. Like, so because mm-hmm. you have to capture their attention or they're not going to continue watching the ad. They're not going to continue to, they're not going to get to the point where you tell them the call to action. They're not going to get to the point where you tell them about your expertise if you don't capture their attention right away. And you have to do it, I would argue, in an authentic kind of way, right? Like mm-hmm. not, we're not in a space now where you just throw out something, you know, off the wall, outrageous, has nothing to do with what you're saying to just capture people's attention. Because then people yeah. are like, they're deceived. And yeah. 
at an all-time low. And so if people already have trust that the trust is already at an all-time low and you're like, you know, throwing things out there that's going to shock people, but they have nothing to do with the video or nothing to do with what you're talking about in your articles, those kinds of things are going to put a bad taste in people's mouth. So you mm -hmm. have to balance between being able to capture attention, but doing it in an authentic way um, that, you know, lets the reader know that you understand where they're at, you understand who they are, um, and you can, you know, encapsulate that into a couple seconds so that way they will say, you know what, yes, this is me, and I do want to keep listening to this video or I do want to continue to read this article. So I think that what you said was so powerful. Um, and the part about writing, like, how they think somebody else should sound or, like, how somebody mm -hmm. else no, not their personality. Um, what are your thoughts on really kind of balancing SEO and creating mm -hmm. engaging copy for humans? Because that's another thing that I think is, you know, having a little bit of a reckoning right now in that like, you know, for us seasoned marketers out there, like you and I, we've been told that we need to write for search engines. We need to make our headlines. We need to do keyword research. We need to do this, we need to do that to make sure that the search engines can find our copy. But now, as we've been talking about this evolution of, you know, con consumers wanting more personalized information, wanting to have thought leadership, all that kind of stuff. What are your thoughts on how to balance um, that SEO piece with, you know, writing for humans? Yeah, so I think a lot of, um, so I write a lot of SEO blog content. I have a client, that's all I write for them. Um, high volume, long blog posts. And I think what I find is that we have this tool that we use that kind of see, uh, you put in the keyword and then it tells you what other phrases like the top 10 results on Google use so that you're using the right phrases or whatever. So it's basically a list of phrases. And I find almost every time I write the blog post how I want to write it, and I've used most of those phrases naturally um, because the top posts are going to be the most engaging, like the top articles for the, the that keyword are going to be the most engaging ones. So um, I think that it maybe didn't always used to be that way. So SEO used to be like you could just shove keywords in there. Um, you could have really short content. It was a lot of like just basic informational content. Now... There's so much of that from the past 10 years that now um, that's not really, we're moving past that. And Google is, you know, very good at, they have all the data. They're very good at seeing, okay, what do people actually want? Let's give them that because they want them to continue to use Google. So at the algorithm changes with kind of the way that humans are changing and the way that we consume content online. So um, they're now rewarding more original insights, especially with AI. Um, AI can write, you can ask ChatGPT, you know, write the, me an article on the top 10 ways to whatever. Um, it's not going to have any, they can only pull from what exists. So they could pull examples that other people have presented as examples somewhere on the internet. Um, but they're not going to, it's, it's not a human, it's not going to provide uh, a, an experience that it had with a client, right? It doesn't have clients. It's not a person. So um, Google's now rewarding more of these original insights, thought leadership, and that stuff AI can't write. And that's a part of it because if AI can write it, we don't need people to write it. Um, so I think it's going that way. It'll be interesting to see where it goes in the next couple of years, but I think the Google algorithm 
has already kind of begun to reward, um, you know, what is it like experience authority? I don't know what the T stands for. I don't remember, <laughs> but eat content is the content that it, um, that it, you know, prioritizes. So it is stuff that like, it's well-researched. You do have other people backing up what you're saying. Again, it's like the fundamentals of writings. I used to teach college freshman writing and, and um, you know, they just make these statements without any supporting evidence. Um, you can't do that when you're trying to make an argument. So why would you do that if you're trying to make an argument in a blog post online? Um, so, yeah, so I really think bringing in those personal examples, um, giving, I know, I know we say there are no new ideas, but giving interesting insights based on experiences that you've, uh, unique experiences that you've had um, is also helpful. So when it comes to keywords, I find that usually you're going to use them anyways, because that's kind of what keywords are. It's like what we search for. So why wouldn't a human just naturally use those words? Um, sometimes it's like, for me, the hardest part is getting it in the title of a blog post and making it cool still, you know, sound interesting still. Um, but I think for the most part, if you just write a really good blog post, you're including all of the things that you should include for it to be valuable experience, examples, um, your own insights from, you know, the industry, um, it's gonna have a better chance of ranking. And I think as we go on, Google's gonna just continue to, um, to favor that, that kind of content, because that's what people want to read. And Google wants to give you what you want to read. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, I, I love that breakdown. And thank you for walking us through that. Um, because it really speaks to how technology um, can really, it really can adapt with consumers and really can prioritize our needs. We as the business owners and the, and as the people feeding ChatGPT and, fe and writing these articles and putting things out there and using Google, it's up to us to make sure that we are prioritizing perspectives and thought leadership and, you know, including client examples, all that kind of stuff, because Google is saying, Hey, we're going to favor that kind of content. And so mm -hmm. we have to really kind of avoid that trap of relying too heavily on AI tools and chat GPT and not leaning on our own experience. And I think sometimes it, we think that, you know, either our experience is not enough and it's not, you know, not something that's as grand as people that will as grand of an example that we can use. I think sometimes we think that, well, really that wasn't that impactful. It's not that important. It's not something that, you know, it was life-changing. Like I didn't, you know, um, replace somebody's heart or something. I just kind of helped them with their Facebook ads, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> you know? And so we, I think that we, we, sometimes we are the ones who rely too heavily on some of these other tools to get, to tell us what to say and to tell us what to do rather than relying on our own experience and our own insights and our own perspectives on different topics. Um, because Google is favoring uh, the people who show perspective and who have, you know, client examples and all that kind of stuff. And if you are curious about a little bit more about, about SEO, because me, I had Sarah Moon come on and the mm -hmm. podcast a few episodes ago, and I'll make sure that's linked in the show notes, y'all. And she gave us like a whole deep dive on SEO and where um, Google's algorithm is at and, the, and all that kind of stuff. So if you are someone who 
is looking to prioritize writing this year and, you know, blog content or emails or anything like that, anything that's really kind of, well, not, I mean, emails aren't really going to be picked up too much by SEO, but any of these other like LinkedIn's now getting picked up by SEO, that kind of content, then you definitely want to make sure you go back and listen to that episode. She has a really, really great um, perspectives on this. Um, so let's talk about, so we are in the new year and we are, you know, in our January new year, new you. Um, and I know it's cliche, but I love new year, new year, new you, y'all. No better <laughs> way to say it other than new year, new you. Um, but how do we know as business owners when it's time for a copy refresh or like, how can we identify whether our copy is not converting either anymore or maybe we've shifted our audience or something like that? Like, talk to us a little bit about some of those signals and some of those signs that it would be time for a copy refresh and then letting us know like how, when, how, what are some of the signs that we need to bring in a copywriter, um, mm -hmm. you know, rather than leaning on our own experience in writing what we're trying to, to, to accomplish. Yeah. So I'd say if you are consistently, most people will not consistently publish if they're not getting results, but if you're not getting any results and you're consistently publishing, then there's an issue there. It's probably more with messaging than the actual mechanics of writing. People will forgive typos and, you know, stuff like that. If what you're saying it, it resonates with them. Um, I think if you, if you website content needs to be refreshed periodically, I think people, I, I have clients that have had the same website content for 10 years, you know, and then they're like, okay, let me refresh it. But really it does have to be refresh periodically, I would say every year you should look at it and see, does all of this still apply? Does it still resonate? Do I need to update statistics? Or when we're looking back at old blog content, do I need to update statistics? Do I need to, you know, refresh this with this new thing in mind? Um, so I think every year you should look at it, maybe not hire someone to write entirely new copy every year, but you should look at it and make sure it makes sense. Um, if you've never had anyone look at the SEO on your website, 100% you should. Um, and that's not always a cop, not every copywriter has SEO experience, but um, you'll be able to find out from that, like what is actually, if it's actually getting you any results. Um, like I can say, if you're not getting results with your content, but so many people don't measure the results of their content, that that's not really helpful. Um, so I would say if you're not like, if you're not getting the results you want from content, it could be great content, but you're not getting the results you want. That's definitely time to, to speak to um, a professional. If you've never had, um, I also just feel like very specialized content is better in the hands of a copywriter if you can, um, if you have the resources for it. So like website copy to me, it's very strategic. Um, it the You have the SEO point there, but it's also like, I see a lot of these templates like WordPress templates or Squarespace templates do not strategically have the sections the way they should be. So if you're not going to dedicate time to learning like how to write good website copy, I would hand that off to a copywriter. Um, you're going to get more ROI out of that. That's usually what I tell people, like go for the thing that has the higher ROI. If you can't outsource all of it, choose the thing that has the higher ROI. And that's going to be your website copy because 
it has the potential to bring in organic traffic in a way that social doesn't. Um, it's you write it once, it could stay up there for a year. Yes, you might have to tweak it, but you don't necessarily have to hire someone every time you want to tweak it. Um, and yeah, so it's up there for a long time. A lot more people will see it. Social content. Um, I do have clients that ask me to write social copy, but I no longer just write social copy um, because it doesn't have the ROI that a website would. Hmm. Um, I We get a lot of a lot of requests for website copy for sales pages. Again, that's something that is there specifically to make you money. Um, any kind of landing page. So even if it's to get subscribers or leads or whatever, any kind of landing page is worthwhile because the goal is conversion. Um, whereas like nurture content, that's stuff you could probably write. You know your audience really well anyways. Um, but the stuff that's specifically to convert, um, even if that's not a sale, even if it's, you know, to get someone to sign up for an ebook or something, that is where I would spend my money in hiring a copywriter because that is what they're trained. Like a copywriter is someone who writes for conversions. Um, so they're trained in, don't even get me started on how conversion copywriter is just like copy copywriter. I hate, I hate that people are like, I'm a conversion copywriter. And I'm like, every copywriter writes for it's in the definition of the term so yeah any (laughs) any time that you um the goal is conversion it's not just I'm going to send a newsletter to my list to like stay on top of mind but anytime the goal is conversion it's probably worth it to pay someone to do it because you'll make money back from it um so yeah I'd say that that would be kind of a good if you're deciding like what's worth outsourcing versus what I should do myself that that's what I would kind of use as a guidepost for that yeah yeah I love that um the because really the the what wraps it in a bow is understanding like what is going to get you the highest ROI um and you know if you think about your social content the goal of your social content is to get people to go to your landing pages and get you Mm -hmm. get to off the platform, at least this is how I teach my clients and, you know, people who I work with, how to use social and that you shouldn't be building your business on social. You should be mm-hmm. using social to get people to your landing pages, to your, whether that's your, you know, your webinars or your lead magnets, or whether that's your sales pages, getting people to check out your services pages, book calls with you. Those are the kinds of pages that are going to produce the heart, highest ROI in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you are like, you know, selling in the DMs and stuff like that, like I get that and that's, that's, you know, a whole thing, but either way, like, you know, someone is going to most likely go check out your website at some point, um, before they buy from you, even mm-hmm. if you send them there to a landing page to complete their purchase, um, or to book that call with you or whatever that the case may be, like, those are the things that drive the hard, highest ROI in your business and therefore need to pr- be prioritized. Um, when you're thinking about bringing in someone who can write the right, who can write the right copy for you um, and help you to be able to get those conversions. So I love that. So last thing before we, you know, kind of close out, we talked about a lot about AI um, and things like that, but I want to talk about maintaining that consistent brand voice across Mm -hmm. marketing channels, but then mainly when people have more team members. Because that's mm-hmm. something that I run into with my clients is that they are, you know, CEO of the business. They have, you know, a, one or at least one 
marketing person or a marketing assistant all the way up to having, you know, three to five marketing team members. Um, and what happens is that they're, they feel like that they're, that as a CEO, they're afraid to let go of writing and copy and those kinds of things and hand that off to their team because nobody's going to sound like me. They're not going to say it the way, same way that I say it. They don't have the experiences that I have. So what do you say to those business owners, even when they're thinking about maybe hiring a copywriter? Because I'm sure that mm -hmm. you run into that kind of issue too, where people feel like, oh, how could you really write for me, right? Like, how could you make yeah. someone like me? So what are some things that we, you know, as business owners need to keep in mind when it comes to maintaining that brand voice when we have multiple people on our team? Yeah, so that's a great question. And I think it, it applies also if you're going to hire a copywriter. Um so many people say no one can capture my voice no one can capture it and i i ask well have you written down documented anything about your brand voice no well then yeah how could anyone capture it if no one knows what it is yes <laughs> so i mean a lot of the a lot of the smaller business clients i work with um they don't have all the things you might have at like you know, at Amazon or some, a place that has, you know, all of the marketing assets in order. So they might not have a brand voice. And like, part of what I do is I like stalk them on the internet to see what their brand voice is. We, um, they fill out a questionnaire, we have a conversation. So I'm kind of creating a document anyways, um, for their brand voice. Um, and so that helps me, or if I were to pass that off onto another copywriter, when I had an agency, um, that helped them. Sometimes people would just assume that I wrote it when I had the agency. Um, and it because we all specialize in brand voice, you really couldn't tell the difference. Um, so I think people, they think that their voice cannot be captured, but they do know there's no effort to help people capture it. And not every copywriter specializes in brand. So not every copywriter is going to do what I do to kind of get that from them. Um, so you really need to document it. Um, this is especially true if you have any kind of team, even if it's two people and they're contractors, if they're going to write anything for you, you need to have uh, the brand voice documented. So when you think of like a brand voice guide at a bigger company, it's often like, we will say this, we don't say this, this is our tone. Like, this is how we um, say the company name. We don't abbreviate it. Like little nitpicky things like that. Like we use the Oxford comma. Um, you don't really need that as a small, as a small a solopreneur or like a small, small business. You don't need to go that deep into it, but you do need to have an understanding of what is, if our if our brand was a person, like how would they be described? Um, what is the tone that we use? And tone changes from piece to piece, but like what, what are, you know, what kind of tones? Are you friendly? Are you more like no bullshit? Like what, where does it land? Um, and I actually, I ask my clients, what are some things you say? What are some things you never say? And they always have to like go back and think about it because it's not something you really think about. Um, but, you know, you might talk about um, you might talk about your industry in a certain way, but you don't use terms like boss babe. Right. Oh, I'd never use boss babe. Well, you have to write that down somewhere um, if someone's ever going to write for you. 
Um, and they just, you know, use that term because everyone's using it. Um, no one knows unless it's documented. So I would say make some kind of effort. It doesn't have to be in any like official, like organized in any way. Um, I actually have a couple of, uh, a couple of like a brand voice guide thing that I can give you the link to for the show notes, um, that kind of takes you through these questions, um, and helps you build like a, a brand voice, um, chart, which is basically like, we do talk this way. We don't talk this way. We use these words. We don't use these words. So it's just like a simple way to kind of give, give that to someone and they have a, a basic idea, but yeah. Um, and documenting it requires you to really think about it. So a lot of people just naturally develop their brand voice and don't ever sit down to think about, um, you know, why do I use these words? Um, and a lot of this, it comes naturally. You talk to, you're talking to clients all the time. You get feedback, you get testimonials, and you start using that language, which is great. But, you know, if you never sit down to think about it, um, you can't document it. So sit down, think about, and a lot of the times it helps you just go back and look at your favorite pieces of content. Um, and how, how would you describe that voice to someone, um, document it so that other people have it. And then your brand voice documents, a living document. So you're going to add to it. It might change stuff. You might have a rebrand where you want to be perceived a different way. So you change your language a little bit. Um, so yeah, just documenting it. Don't worry about like what the format is. Just worry about getting the information down. Um, and then make sure everyone on your team has access to that. Mm -hmm. Those are such great tips. And the biggest thing that is going to gag everybody that listens to this episode is when you said, did you actually write it down? How is anybody <laughs> going to get your brand voice if you have not written it down? And that is something that I want us to really kind of think of as CEOs in that I've had clients where they're like, oh, like, you know, I have an agency doing this or I have a marketing assistant doing this, but I have to write all the copy. And, you know, like I'm not at that place where I'm where I'm comfortable releasing, you know, having my a marketing assistant write my emails or have, you know, someone do my social media. And it's like, you don't have to necessarily have a complete, like, you know, handoff where you're like, hey, like one day on Monday, I'm writing all the copy. And then on Friday, you are writing all the copy and right. I'm not writing anything, right? Or I'm not approving anything. So there are processes that you can put in place that allow people to be able to take that off of your plate. Um, because mm -hmm. as a CEO, you really have to like, you know, remove yourself from your marketing as much as possible, as much as you, you would like, right? And I believe that writing social copy, writing emails is not something that you as a CEO have to do. Because if you think about the amount of emails that Fashion Nova sends out, the CEO of Fashion Nova is not writing those emails, right? Even like- Could you imagine? Uh, can you imagine, right? If they're sending all the texts and they're like, hey girl, save <laughs> Like, they're not doing that, right? But it all sounds- yeah. And they have, I remember when I was at Zappos, like we had- you know, a team of people who work on email and, but all the emails, whether, you know, whether there was six people writing the different types of email, mm -hmm. they all sound the same, right? Mm -hmm. so Tony Shea was not writing those emails, right? Like, you know, right. like, and and even the, the general manager is not even writing those emails, not even the director of marketing, not even the CMO of writing those emails, right? Yeah. Um, so it's possible. We just have to take some of these steps, like you were saying, like documenting, you know, that what do you, what words do you say? What do you not say? How do you say things? Like, I'm not someone who says, you know, boss babe, like I'm not someone who mm -hmm. says, babe, you know, stuff like that. Right. You know, so that's just not something that I would 
include in my brand guidelines or my brand voice guidelines, right? But I, but there are things I say y'all all the time, right? Yeah, like, me too. <laughs> in there, all, like I say that all the time, right? Yeah. And so I want y'all to understand, kind of walk away from this episode that it is possible for you to start to remove yourself from different places of your business so that you can free up your time to focus on business development, building relationships and other things that you have to do as the CEO. And your marketing is something that can a hundred percent be, you know, run without you being directly involved or without you having to approve every post and post everything. And, oh you know, yeah. I've been right there. Up, right. You know, yeah. Possible. I think, I mean, I think you bring up a good point though. Some of it is mindset. So if you've never outsourced before, um, it is really scary to outsource something for the first time, even if it's just hiring a VA. Um, but if you built the business on your, you know, your content, my, all of my clients are very good writers. Um, that's how they've gotten to a point where they have money to outsource. Um, they've, it's always been them writing. It's always been their voice. They enjoy it. They don't want to give it up. Um, so part of that is like recognizing that um, there are people who specialize in this, you know, this is, that's their specialty, just like, like you have a, you know, zone of genius, but also recognizing that writing is a collaborative thing. So you don't just hand it off and, and get it right. Sometimes you do, you hand it off. They do a great job. Great. Um, sometimes you have to give feedback to get it to a place where it's, especially if you don't have anything documented or what you have documented is not, you know, it's like you took the notes, but they don't make sense to anyone else. Um, so I think part of it is like recognizing that you are not the only one that can write for you. Um, and it might take a little while to get it somewhere to where you're comfortable with, you know, not approving it. So um, a lot of my clients will just schedule the content. They won't even read it. They'll schedule the content. Well, I've been writing for them for years at this point. They just trust that it's good, but it's not like the first content I delivered to them. They didn't look at it and they just put it up. Um, so yeah, it's a collaborative process. I think a lot of people don't realize that if the copywriter doesn't get it right exactly the first time, like that's what edits are for. That's what feedback is for. So just give it, you got to give it some time and some feedback and recognize that it's collaborative. But yeah, I think that does hold people back the mindset that, well, I got us here with my content, so I have to keep writing it. And then that holds them back from so many money-making things. Um, they just got to find a good copywriter. Yeah. Definitely. Because like, honestly, like it's, you know, I'll even speak for myself, like writing copy takes me a long time because I am not naturally a writer. Um, and I am so excited to get to the point where I can be like, Hey, Sarah, can you write this landing page for me? Cause if I never write another piece of copy for a landing page ever in my life, I will absolutely be okay with that. Um, because <laughs> it just takes me so long to write because I could like, I could speak, I could, you know, just say things and I could, you know, I would love to be able to like, hey, here's my transcripts for my podcast, right? This is mm -hmm. how I speak, this is what I do. This is the words that I say and being able to, even like for myself, have my own brand guidelines and brand voice mm -hmm. guidelines, how I say things, what stats I pull, what kind of stuff I talk about. So mm -hmm. I think that's, that's like super, super important. So thank you so much for coming on. This has been fantastic. And I think that everybody will get such great information about this I'm out of this episode. So please tell everybody how they can work with you, what kind of different you know services that you offer 
and where they can connect with you if they'd like to learn more or if they'd like to um, you know, start that, uh, start that dialogue on working with you. Yeah, sure. So um, I work with people on a project basis and a retainer basis. So I have clients that I write, like they'll want social and emails every month. Um, and so that's kind of a long-term thing. Um, I also do projects. So if you just need website copy or you just want a sales page written, um, that I can work out too. I write pretty much any kind of content. Um, so website copy, emails, ads, even I've written so many Facebook ads in my life, but they made me a better copywriter, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that. Let's talk about that. Tell me a yeah. Little bit. So I was thinking yeah. about, I was thinking about this earlier. I, so I worked for an agency that just wrote Facebook ads. Um, sometimes they do the landing pages too, but it was a lot of Facebook ads. Um, so I got so good at writing hooks doing that because you have to have a good hook on an ad mm -hmm. because, you know, a normal post, if you don't have a good hook, there's no money at stake, but with an ad there is. So I got so good at writing hooks, which obviously translated to so many other things, um, that, and also you have to like, for the, the headline piece of it you have to fit it into a certain amount of characters I love that little puzzle um so yeah it really did make me a better copywriter having these like rules and stuff that I had to kind of fit the copy into yeah I love that and I will say y'all like I and, and we're gonna we're gonna close it out in a second but I just want to when you said that it made me think about um I can't believe I didn't write down any questions about Facebook ad copy on here but <laughs> one of the things I'll say y'all like when I remember I was running a campaign for a live webinar that I was doing, um, this was in 2023, and I was running these ads and I created a video and I created some headlines and stuff like that, published the ads and was putting it out there. And the click-through rate was very low. It was like 0.5%, 0.3%, whatever. And so when, for those of y'all that don't know, if the click-through rate is low, that means that nobody's clicking on it. That means they're not getting to the landing page and they're not signing up. So there's like kind of like this down, you know, ripple effect of like, they're seeing the ads, but it's not compelling enough to get them to go to the landing page and sign up. So the first thing I do and the first thing I teach my students and, and anybody who I teach ads is to, if instead of reshooting that video, change the copy, create mm -hmm. a better line, write some better body copy. And that's what I did. I went through, I, I looked at some of the data to see, okay, what are the ads that are performing? What signals am I, am I getting? I switched up some headlines and, the, um, and then I switched up a, the body copy a little bit. And it literally took it from converting at, from the click-through rate from like 0.3% to like 3% click-through rate. Mm -hmm. That means that 3% of the people who were seeing it were actually clicking on it. And that had a ripple effect because then people were able to go to the landing page. They looked at the landing page, people were able to sign up, right? So if you're not even getting people to the landing page, that's why it's so important to have like messaging and copy has become so much more important in, in the world of Facebook ads these days than it has been before. Because before you could just, you know, if you set it up technically correctly, you had a mediocre ad and you just put a lot of budget mm -hmm. behind it to get performance. But now people are like, you know, they recognize ads, they see them. We don't have to hide that something is an ad. You can absolutely just let people know that it's an ad. They're going to know anyway. But copy is so much more important right now when you're thinking about Facebook ads. And that is just something like going from a 0.3% click-through rate to a 3% click-through rate is a significant jump. Because then that means that significantly more people are actually making it to the landing page and actually signing up. So mm -hmm. copy, very, very important. So you tell people where they where they can um, learn more and connect with you. 
Sure. Uh, so my website is just my name, sarahjanebird.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn with that same name. Um, that's where I spend most of my time on social. So feel free to connect with me there. Um, and I will give you the links to the brand guide stuff in case people want to check that out. Um, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Y'all. So y'all make sure y'all go to the show notes because we will have a link to the brand voice guidelines. We'll also have all of Sarah's links in there. So our website, LinkedIn, social channels, all that kind of good stuff. We'll also link to some of the um, SE, some of the past episodes that we talked about with um, SEO and all that kind of good stuff. So this is going to be, you know, some 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 very packed, really good written um, show notes in there. So make sure y'all go check those out. Um, so yeah, y'all, that is our episode for today. If you found something out of this that you found useful, if there was something that, you know, a nugget that jumped out, please leave us a review. Reviews definitely help us to grow the podcast, help us to get, helps the, the algorithm show, show, show our podcast to more people. So please leave us a review with something that you, a key takeaway that you took from this episode. Otherwise, make sure that you're following the show. Make sure that you check out the show notes and I will see y'all on the next episode. OMG, that episode was packed with gems. Are you ready for more? Head over to stacyzeal.co slash podcast to get the show notes and to sign up to get our top five podcast episodes to help you streamline your marketing so you can make this your million dollar year. Head over to stacyzeal.co slash podcast.